Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Well, welcome to church, everybody. So glad that you guys are here. And, you know, when I think about getting to come to church today, I just am so grateful and thankful that this weekend we're celebrating Veterans Day. I realize that one of the reasons that we get to come um, is because of our veterans and those that have, have fought over the years and are continuing to do so. So if you have served or are serving, would you, would you just stand up? We want to give you a big round of applause. Stand up right now if you would, please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I want to ask you a question. Um, if I was to ask you, if I was to ask you, like, what is it called when we tell our kids to go up to strangers and ask them for candy, like to go right up to their doors, knock on the doors, and like ask them for candy, but you're in a costume? If I was to say that and say, what is that day called? It would be, go ahead and yell it out. What would it be? Okay. Like, like you know that. You know that. But if I was to ask that same question to somebody, like, let's just say, like, 100 years ago, and I was like, hey, like, what day is it that we tell our kids to go up to perfect strangers' houses, knock on the door, get dressed in costumes, and ask for candy? They, uh, chances are they'd be like, I don't know. Like, that doesn't make sense. First of all, why are you doing that? Like, why do you tell kids to go to strangers and then eat what they give them? Like, hold on a second. And chances are, I, I, I don't know what it would be like in maybe 50 or 100 years from now if this is just something that we just, we don't celebrate it the way that we do. But, but because, because of our culture, where we live and when we live, we have context and we look at this and we're like, oh, I, I kind of see how this is. But things have not always been the way that they are and things will not always be the way they are now. It's, it's, it's different. And anytime I hear anybody on TV talking about like, like the weather this summer, did anybody else hear this? It's, it's the hottest in this, in this state that it's been in the last 1,500 years. And I'm just like, who says who? Like 50, oh, who's been taking and recording temperature for, no, no one, no one. But what it is, is we just assume, our culture assumes everything is the way that it was, and the way that it was is the way that it is, and the way that it is is the way that it will be. It's just kind of this all, like, it's always been this way thing. But it's, you and I, we have different ideas based on the culture and the times that we've lived in. I think a really good example of this is Dr. Pember, Pember, Pemberton. I want to say Dr. Pepper every time, but it's not, okay? It's Dr. Pemberton. So in, in the Civil War, he was wounded. 1865, he gets wounded, and he gets addicted to morphine. And he's like, I've got to do something to get off of this stuff. So in 1866, seeking a, in a, a cure alternative to this morphine that he's addicted to, he creates a wine that he mixes with cocaine. And he's like, this is way better. Like, this is, this is so much better. So he actually begins to sell this wine-cocaine mixture. And he sells it as like this uh, curing, con 
concoction thing, right? And it's going great for them until 1886 when Prohibition says, you can't sell the wine. <laughs> Not the cocaine, but they're like, no more wine. And he's like, oh no, like what do I do? So he's like, I got to do something different. So he takes the wine out, adds sugar, and calls it Coca-Cola. So he begins to sell Coca-Cola. So yes, Coca-Cola had cocaine in it. And it continued to have cocaine until cocaine was made illegal, but that wasn't made illegal until 1914. <laughs> so it was years and years and years, decades later that finally cocaine was made illegal. Then he had to take that out. And at that point, it's a bit more of the Coca-Cola that you and I know today. It's a little different. But see, back Things were a little different. Things were a little different then than they are now. Maybe 150 years ago, you walk into a house and you see this next picture and you're like, oh. But if you walk into somebody's house today and see that and you're like, what is going on? And no, I'm not eating anything. Like, I don't care what it is. Or if it looks like takeout, I'm not going to eat it. Because things change. Our cultures change. Our normals change. And I bring all of that up because we're going through Ephesians. We're in Ephesians chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, open them up. Ephesians chapter 6. As we're going through there, there's certain things that we need to keep the context in mind. We need to keep the context in mind. So with that in thought, in, in your mind, keep that there. Let's read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. It says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Um, I've, I didn't look forward to preaching this in case you're wondering, like, yay, slavery Sunday. Like, no, no, not, not, not it. Okay, let's keep reading though. Verse 6, then it says, try to please them at all times, not just when they're watching as slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all of your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each of us, each one of us, for the good we do, whether we're slaves or free. In verse 9, masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember that you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. Um, now, when we... When you and I read that and when we read slavery, most of us in the U.S., the context and what we see when we hear or we read slavery is we think of race-based oppression, race-based slavery, but things in the Bible were a little different. When we read things like Ephesians chapter 6 or we read things like 1 Timothy 6.1 that says, all who are under the yoke of slavery should regard their masters as fully worthy of honor so that God's name and our teaching will not be discredited. And you're like, what? Or, or we read things like 1 Peter 2.18, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Um, you, you can read some of that and you're like, well, wait a second. I'm, I kind of don't understand, like, what's happening here? Well, one is remember this. God's word teaches us how to live 
in a broken world. That's what it is. The world is broken. And Jesus didn't, when he came back, he did not come back to, to take over yet. Like that's the second time. The first time he came, he did not come to take over. In fact, in John chapter 6, it says that Jesus had been teaching. And when the people saw him do this, this is verse 14, when they saw the miraculous signs and what he did, um, they said, surely this is this prophet. This is the prophet that we've been expecting. Verse 15, when Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he's like, uh-uh. And he slipped away into the hills by himself. He's like, I'm not here to, to overthrow the government. He's like, that's, that, that's not it. Not this time. Not this time. He's like, I'm here to make a way. I'm not here to do that. What the Bible teaches us is how to live in a fallen world. Some, some Pharisees came to Jesus, and they were trying to trick him. And they said this. It's in your Bibles, Mark chapter 12, verse 14. It says, teacher, they said, we know that you are honest, that you are impartial, and that you don't play favorites. They're just buttering them up. You're like, this isn't new. Nope, that whole butter them up before. Yeah, yeah, they're doing it. And then he says this, you teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right that we pay taxes to Caesar or not? They're trying to trick him. They're trying to trick Jesus. Verse 15, should we pay them or shouldn't we? But Jesus saw right through their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman coin and I'll tell you. When they handed him a coin, he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well, then, Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. They're basically like, can we, can we avoid taxes? Like, like, like if, if, if you're the king and we're serving, then, then, then do we pay this? And he's like, look, you live in a fallen world and you need to pay your taxes. Now, when he says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, um, like, we can look out at our government and we can think, man, there's some problems and there's some corruption and you're like, maybe you believe it on this level and maybe you believe it on this level and maybe you believe it's this party that's corrupt and maybe you think it's that one that's corrupt and you're like, but, but I think it's about everybody looks like it's getting bad. Well, Caesar, when you look at the Roman Empire and how bad it was, it was insane. They were murdering. Um, some of these Caesars for fun would take people and wrap them up in like animal skin and like use people as candles. They were, they were just abusing children. I mean, it was nasty. I, mean, I didn't want to say the things that they did. It was awful. It was horrible. So when they're like, hey, do we have to pay taxes? I mean, think of all the bad things that they're doing. Because I, I don't know about you, but like I hate the fact that my taxes go to kill babies. That's what abortion is. Um, now, now, if that's something that, you're, that you've done and you're like, hey, this is my past and that's a part of it, there's forgiveness, absolutely. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that abortion is murder. And I hate that my taxes go to that. 
I absolutely hate it. But what the Bible does is he doesn't teach us how to set up our own world. No, the only solution that we have is Jesus. We can vote and please vote and please be involved. We need to be involved in like helping government know what to do and how to do it. They, we, Christianity, the Bible, the morals that are taught in this are 100% necessary. I believe that the reason that we live in the great nation that we do, it's not because of the great documents that we have. They're great, but there's been other great documents before. But instead, but the, but instead the principles that those documents were built on that the people then lived, which were biblical principles. They were biblical principles. That's why we have, the, have enjoyed the freedoms and the blessing in this great nation that we have. So please be involved in it. But what the Bible's teaching us is how to live in a fallen world because it doesn't get better until Jesus comes back. Now he's going to, and when he does, then he overthrows the government. Then it's over because he comes back as king. But that's not yet. So now he's like, look, this is how you're gonna have to live. This is what it's gonna be like. And, and when we look at slavery in the Bible, what was he addressing? Slavery then was a lot different than most of us would picture it being. Um, in Matthew, Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is talking about what heaven would be like. And he says, he says, there was a king and he decided to settle his accounts. So he called in the people that owed him and one that owed just a, a millions and millions of dollars, just, just more than he could pay back, comes in and he says, Pay me what you owe me. Verse 25, but he could not pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to repay the debt. At that time, if, when, when you signed on the dotted line, you were signing your life away. Because if you could not pay that debt, they're going to come after you. When I say come after you, it's like you, like the person you, and you could not pay. They had the right to, to sell you, your wife and your kids, as slaves. Slavery was not a, a race-based, I'm sure there was some of it, but it, it was not, that is not what it was. It was anybody who was vulnerable and was unprotected was vulnerable to becoming a slave. If you did not pay your debts, boom, you become a slave. And then Jesus goes on and he says, look, the same person gets forgiven because he just says, hey, I tell you what, I'll let you go free. But that same person leaves, having been just let off the hook. He, his family, and everything his own, he owned was about to be sold. But he leaves, he goes and he finds somebody that owes him money. And he says, pay me back. And the guy's like, I can't yet, but just be patient with me. I will. And he says, no. And he has him thrown in debtor's prison. Debtor's prisons at the time were absolutely horrible. It wasn't a great prison. It wasn't a nice prison. They purposely made them horrible because the intent was that while you were in there, it was so bad that anybody that knew you would do whatever they could to get you out. It was not a great thing. It was, not, it was, it was horrible and awful. But anybody could become a slave. Genesis, if you're familiar with the story of Joseph in the Bible, Joseph is one of many, comes from a big family, and his brothers don't like him, and there's all kinds of reasons. You can read about it for yourself in Genesis 37. But one day, Joseph is headed out to see his, his brothers, and his brothers are way away, 
they're out in a field tending their flocks. And as they see Joseph coming, they're all like, hey, here he comes. And they're like, oh, I don't like him. And then, you know, I, I'm paraphrasing, but they're all like, I don't like him. I don't like him either. Nobody likes him. That guy's good for nothing. It'd be better off if he was dead. And then one of the brothers is like, actually, that might be a good idea. And the other one's like, yeah, why not? No one will ever know. Let's do it. So his brothers decide they're going to kill him. Okay, bad day, bad day. Anyways, bad day. So Joseph gets there. And as they're like, we're going to kill him, one of the brothers stands up and is like, wait a second. Hold on. What would we gain? By killing our brother. We've got a better idea. This is verse 27. Genesis 37, 27. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he's our brother. He's our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him up out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. They just sold him. Like, can you imagine the family dynamic that you just, your, your, your brothers get mad at you and like, yeah, that's it. We're just selling you. Goodbye. I got 20 pieces of silver. Great. Yep, I got some money for him. He's gone. What in the world? And then have you ever just thought about like what that must have been? Like what did they do to Joseph that like, did they beat him up so badly that he couldn't talk and just be like, hey, I'm my dad's favorite. Like they'll give you, like sell me, take me back there. He'll pay. Like, I do not know. Were the, were the slave traders like, yeah, we have this all the time. We don't just listen to anything that they say. And they just grab them and throw them. And like, were they ready? And like, oh, yeah, we've got a bunch of them right here. We'll just put them. Like, how? How did he just get sold off? Not, not that I think it's a good idea. Like, I don't want to, like, know how to sell people. But just like, just how? How would that even work? Because he was vulnerable. Anybody could become a slave. Anybody could. So what the Bible is teaching us is how it is that we are meant to live. What is it that we're meant to do? How is it that we're meant to live? Because anybody could become a slave. Um, the English word for, like that word that I just said, slave, the English word for slave, it's derived from the Slavic, ah, excuse me, the Slavic word for the Slavic people. It's, it's, it's literally derived from the word Slavic because so many of them were slaves that it just kind of be, just became unanimous in one. If you were Slavic, you were a slave, and so they just kind of shortened it, and it just went, to, okay, slave, and it just meant the same thing. Um, in his book, Black Rednecks and White Liberals, Thomas Solf said this. He said, far from being targeted by Europeans for racial reasons, he says, Africa was resorted to as a source of a large supply of slaves only after centuries of Europeans enslaving other Europeans and had been brought to an end by the consolidation of nations and empires on the European continent and by the internal shifts from slavery to serfdom. He's like, anybody that was unprotected could be subject to becoming a slave. So the Bible teaches how we're supposed to live in a fallen world. And when it comes to, okay, well, well, what about slavery and how are we supposed to treat one another? Well, Matthew 26, excuse me, 22, verse 36, they come to Jesus and somebody says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He's like, okay. And second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor 
as yourself. And now when it comes to neighbor, if you're like, well, that's, that doesn't make it a whole really clear, like, who is my neighbor? Well, Luke chapter 10, somebody asked him that same question, and then they asked that question for us. They said, who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And Jesus told him a story, and it's the story, you may be familiar of it, with it, of the good Samaritan. Now, when I say Samaritan, we mo- if you grew up in church kind of Christian, when I say Samaritan, you probably think of the story of the good Samaritan. But the truth is, Jews and Samaritans just did not get along, like at all. It was awful that they did not get along. So when Jesus tells the story, the story he tells, it's right there in your Bibles. You can read it for yourself in Luke chapter 10. But Jesus tells the story of a man who was on a trip, fell in among thieves, and the thieves rob him, strip him, beat him, and leave him for dead. But as he lays there, he says, look, somebody comes by. And it was a rabbi, it was a priest. And the priest comes by but sees him and just kind of walks away. Goes right on by him. And then, and then a Levite comes by. A Levite would be like a, a somebody that worked at the church, somebody that's working in the temple. And he comes by, sees him as like, mm, 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 nope, going away from that guy, and just walks around him. And then Jesus says, but then a Samaritan came by. And then when the Samaritan saw him, he picked him up. He took care of his wounds. He put him on his animal. He took him to an inn. He took care of him. And then in the morning, he went down to the innkeeper, said, here's some money. Take care of him until I come back. And if there's any more money that's owed, I'll pay it when I get back. And then Jesus asked the question. He said, who was the good neighbor? The man answered, said, the Samaritan. And Jesus says, then go and do likewise. In that, Jesus addressed the most confrontational racial divide that there was in that day. And he's like, no. It's you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and the next is like it. And the next is just like it. So when we read this, we need to remember What God is doing through his word is teaching us how to live in a fallen world because it's fallen, it's messed up. You look out at the world and you're like, almost everywhere you look and it's just getting closer and closer. You look like, this is messed up. And the answer is, yes, it is. Because if any, every one of us need God, we have this, I think the easiest way to say it would be this, we have a God-sized hole inside of us and when we try to fill it with anything else, it does not work. It doesn't work. But the world is so desperate for answers that we run to the most bizarre answers ever. And people are willing to permanently disfigure their body. And adults think that it's okay for kids to make these permanent decisions when they're four and five years old. And you're like, I, I, thought, I, I thought I could be a dinosaur when I was four. Like, what do you, you think? Like, no, you can't. And you're like, well, how could they do this? Well, the answer is this, is without God, we don't get better. We're not good in getting better. We're bad, and we get good at doing bad. And we get better at doing bad. Without God, we need him. And so what the Bible is, is it says, look, this is how you are meant to live in a fallen world. He's like, and then remember, Ephesians 6, verse 8. He says, and then remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we're slave or free. 
He's like, look, Jesus is coming back. The way that you and I live now, it makes a difference and it matters. What you do today, what you do tomorrow, it matters. Your position doesn't. He says, look, he will reward each of us, whether you're free, whether you're slave, that doesn't matter. Whether you're on the top right now, whether you're on the bottom, whether you're whatever position you're in. He says, but what you do matters. Verse nine, he says this, he says, so treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember that you both have the same master in heaven, that we're all serving the same God and that he has no favorites. You may be in a high position, you may be in a low position, but every one of us, we serve the same God. He's gonna come back. And what you and I do today matters. Revelations 22, verse 12 says it like this. is: look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay people according to what they have done, according to their deeds. What we do today makes a difference. Our world is fallen, yes, absolutely. Thank God that we have the Bible. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, teaching us how to live in this fallen world. But Jesus is coming back. What you do today, it matters. Those words that you say, the time that you give, it matters. It can be easy to look and think, well, if I had a higher position, well, if that person was to, well, that, they would change something. They need Jesus, because from where they're at, they could do something. And he's like, look, wherever you are, what you do matters. He says, my reward is coming. I'm coming. And he sees what it is that we do. That we talked about Amina and Becca shared, you know, if we give even just a cup of water in my name to one of these disciples, he says, you will surely not lose your reward. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You are not here by accident. You're not here in this room by accident. You're not in Grand Rapids by accident. You might look at the sequence of events that's brought you here and think, man, but it's all bad. And you're like, there's no God in it. And if you knew the story, my story, you'd agree. Did you know that God can work all things for the good of those that love and serve him? Those things that we just look back and like, how, what am I supposed to do with it? I can tell you, you give it to God. Watch what he can do. And those things and that mess becomes a message because you're like, look. And God fills you with his love and that hate and anger. You give it up because you choose to forgive. And he empowers you on the inside. The world doesn't change because our world has fallen. It will not be. It can get better. It can get worse. But it will not be right until Jesus comes back. And he makes it right. Because then and only then will every knee bow and every tongue confess. But he says, there's a better way. If we just give it to him. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What Jesus did, there's no other way around it. It had to be done. 
but what he did made the way for you and me. He paid the price. So the junk that we've been through could be forgiven. Because our God is a just God. You want to know what that means? That means that wrong cannot go unpunished if you are just. It has to be punished. So when Jesus died on that cross, literally what he did is the punishment that I deserve, that you deserve, was put on him. The Bible says it this way, that the iniquity, the weight of all of that was put on Jesus so that you could be free, so that I could be free. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. We live in a dark world, but there is a light and his name is Jesus. And he's calling out to you and me. He's given us his word to show us how to live, teaching us how to forgive. And you can read some of that and you're like, well, how am I supposed to do that? And the answer is you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You think, I can't do that on my own. You're right, neither can I. But he'll give us strength. And if we make mistakes, we just cry out and he's right there. He loves you. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? I wanna end today by asking, do you know where you stand with God? Because Jesus paid it all. And he did it all. And all you have to do is receive it. Receive his forgiveness. And you say, well, how do I do that? Of course I want that. Doesn't everybody? And the answer is yes. Well, the Bible tells us how we receive it. It says if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, that we can be forgiven, we can be set free, and we can join his family. If you're here today and you say, today's my day. Today's the day I want to be set free. Today's the day that I look to him. Today's the day that I stop looking to substances, to people, to relationships, to fill what's in me because it's not working. Today's the day I cry out to you, God. Today's the day I surrender to you. That you would love the honor of praying with you right in your seat. That you at the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. You're saying, God, today's the day I want to be set free. That's me. Get ready. One, two, three. All the way up right now. I already saw that one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All the way up. Awesome. Awesome. All right, hands down. I want everybody in here to repeat after me. Those that lifted your hands, as you say these words, you make them your own. Say them from your heart, and God's about to meet you right where you are. Everybody out loud, just repeat after me. Everybody say, Jesus, thank you for setting me free. Forgive me. I'm yours. I believe that you shed your blood. You died on a cross for me. I receive your forgiveness. I receive salvation. Today, I'm yours. I surrender all I am to you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.